Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. From CBS Radio Studios in New York City, it's the DA Show with your host, Damon Amendolara, featuring Ryan Botcher and the musical sounds of the Zap Zap Orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's DA. Halfway through a Tuesday edition, a trash Tuesday here on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, the CBS Sports app, Sirius XM Channel 158. All our great affiliates across this great country. Maybe you're watching, watch DA.com, YouTube, Twitch. We love that you're with us in any form or fashion. Andrew Bogish in for DA once again on this Tuesday. DA once again is in for Jim Rome today. That is noon to 3 Eastern here on most of these same stations and on CBS Sports Network. You can watch DA in this very chair in all his glory uh, on national TV for those three hours today, tomorrow, and Thursday. We are with you all five days this week. Pete, the body is here. The last time I was here for a full week, Pete bailed midweek. Um, I be- he's, he's here at least through tomorrow. I don't know if more quote-unquote interviews are going to pop up Thursday and Friday. That would take him out of the studio, but that remains to be seen. Right now, nothing's going to take me out of the studio this week. I like to hear that. Pete and I, by the way, will do a PGP. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Wednesday, released shortly thereafter in all the usual places. We'll try to pry some information of the interview process out of Pete during our time together, but he (laughs) is Fort Knox, so it's going to take a lot. Use all my journalism tools and tricks and whatever to get some bits of information out of Bilotti about all those who have tried to be his new buddy, to be to his right, to be his wingman, to sit in that studio and guide this show through another phase post Sean Morash. We'll see what we can do. No promises. Because, again, pizza steel trap. Things go in. They don't come back out. That's right. Uh, a tight, uh, it's, it's tightly sealed. Pete, though, is having a tough morning all of a sudden since our critique of those who wear costumes to the Barbie movie. And then Pete added on to trashing the length of movies. So Jeremy at Comics Crossing, I'm trashing Pete for the three-hour movie trash. He'll sit through a three-hour pay-per-view, but not a film. Hashtag take a lap. Well, that's it's it's a little more action than than a movie. You're just sitting in front of a big screen. I mean, you're. I think there's a little. It's more like a sporting type event. So sitting for a, a sport event like for a Super Bowl or or NFL game or whatnot. I think it fits along more of those lines than the movie side of it. 
Uh, Otis Miller's throwing some shrapnel my way as totally well. Totally gross, dude. I'm trashing you. No fun having old men. Who cares if people want to dress up for movie premieres? Also, doesn't at Pete the Body watch WWE pay-per-views that are longer than 90 minutes? Hashtag have some fun with your movies. That will contribute to the microplastics in the bottom of the ocean. Once again, I am putting the WWE uh, stuff in the category of sports in terms of watching it. Uh, there's a little more action than sitting there and watching a movie for three hours. More ads, though. Well, there's some ads, but not all all time. So that's my statement on that. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. That's Pete versus Movies. On this Tuesday edition. I'm not against the- movies. <laughs> I'm not against movies. I think movies are better in a 90-minute form. Gotcha. I, 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 I love movies. Pete versus long-form moving pictures. Look, look. WWE, I think I think their big shows over three hours are horrible. I don't think they sh- their shows should be any more than three hours. Or, or, and it should be probably less. So, I'm giving them a shot, too. So, it's not just about WWE, folks. Now, Dixieland Dan disconnected from all of this. I also got to trash you and DA, Mr. Bogues. How in the world did you, me, dropping a uh, shitty word on the PGP not get bleeped out? I'm not condoning it. I'd for sure drop those words too, but Sean said shed and got a call from legal. Check your voicemails. Hashtag built some bleep. What a beatdown. So I'm actually surprised that this did not get a little more uh, energy late last week. And I probably should have addressed it sooner than Tuesday morning. But I did let the S word slip during the PGP last week. And in real life, I do curse a fair amount, probably more than you think I would. So it's surprising, knock on wood, that it doesn't slip out more uh, times that it does on the on the PGP, where I'm not thinking about work and protection and rules and FCC and Pete's dump button and Pete's judgment. Um, so I'm surprised it hasn't happened before last week, but it did. And I ref I said, "Oh, we got to bleep that," and DA immediately said, "No, it's okay." Like, so I don't know if he misheard what I said or if he was instantly okay with me dropping the S word by accident. But we've gotten multiple texts from former employees who might have been half punished for things like that in the past, tweets, whatever. Uh, If I offended anyone, I apologize. But I kind of want to curse more in the PGP. Well, look, uh, in podcast form, the the profanity is allowed. um, But I think it's the low-hanging fruit. That's just how I look at it. Oh, yeah. No, there's an art to it. You can't abuse it. You can't do it too much. It shouldn't be every other word. But every once in a while, I think it's worth, it's worth, uh, it has a, the correct effect. I'll just say this. I think I, I'm a big fan of what Howard Stern did for the business. But I think when he did it on, on broadcast airwaves, it was much better than what he was doing over at, um, at Sirius because he didn't, he wasn't allowed to curse on, Broadcast airways, and I think it adds to a more creative side of the business. That's just me. You're such a square. No, I'm just being very honest. A lot of you have trashed, and Stevens and Verna Parker, a good buddy, is the latest, trashing my Orioles owners, the Angelos family, for suspending Kevin Brown for doing nothing. All caps, multiple exclamation points. I would wish bad karma on any other team. Karma, please spare my O's. Hashtag Angelos trash. 
Splash Brothers, more like the Trash Brothers. You guys tweeted at me last night when I shared uh, this story and Gary Cohen's response to this story that as if we were not going to discuss it this morning. And we are uh, here we are two hours in. Schwartz has mentioned it in his updates, but let's do it now here long form. If you don't know where we are on all this, Kevin Brown, who I think was on the show, trying to remember with Pete, I know we were trying to get him on the show, but I can't remember if we actually did succeed in getting him on. I believe he was on a couple weeks ago. Right. When DA came back from his secret baby, uh, he wanted to do a couple of rapid-fire baseball guests to kind of catch up on some teams that have made headlines, and the Orioles certainly were one of them. And I know they were efforting Kevin Brown, and I couldn't remember if he actually got him on because, again, at that point, the producer wasn't good at booking guests on this show. At that point? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I also know that Kevin and DA are indirectly connected, not the same age group, through Syracuse. Uh, Kevin's a very good, I can't believe, he's a young broadcaster. He's younger than me. I'm not a broadcaster, but I am old. So uh, Kevin does a really good job in Baltimore. And this was July 23rd. Orioles Orioles were playing in Tampa Bay. And this is basically the scene-setting, on-camera, game-opening comment. Uh, and here is apparently what Kevin Brown did and said to get in trouble with his bosses in Baltimore. Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in. But the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three. And they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years, combined it is a stark difference Ben and it is not a bad Rays team it's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East they've led this division every day but now two and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place was that music supposed to be there I don't remember hearing that music last night right it just came in and out they didn't go to break with that music that wasn't the signal to wrap it up (laughs) that's weird too so the 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 biggest sentence in all of that, apparently, is when Kevin says the Orioles have won three times this year in Tampa Bay after having won three times their total over the previous two seasons. That's the point, that they used to be really bad in this building, and now they've won three of the five games so far here this year. Those are valid things to point out. He did not make fun of anybody. He did not mock anybody. Those numbers were on the screen. Did the graphics guy, did the Masson director get in trouble too? Somebody typed those numbers, those records, into a graphic. They put it on the screen. Kevin Brown was talking over it. And guess what? You know where they got those numbers from? The Baltimore Orioles game notes. For those of you that don't know, Whatever the sport, baseball, basketball, NBA, hockey, football, professional, college, sometimes, God forbid, high school gets that important. Every team produces an an information packet. They're called game notes. Sometimes they're for an entire series, but usually they're game to game, and they have 8,000 tidbits of information in them. Most of them are useless, minutia, crazy bits of research that you're never going to use on the broadcast. Other things are important. 
this bit about the record and the improvement this year in Tampa Bay for the Orioles as opposed to the previous two seasons, this information was in the team-issued Baltimore Orioles game notes for that day. So Baltimore Orioles employees in the information, the media relations department, put that note in their notes, printed them out, emailed them to people. They get on the TV broadcast. Kevin Brown says that. This is all July 23rd. Brown then works the ensuing series on radio. The Orioles have a lot of broadcasters, and they all spin through TV and radio. So he works the next series on radio and then doesn't work again and hasn't worked since. He has not worked since July 26th. It took people a little while to realize, wow, Kevin's been gone for a while. They start digging around. They start asking. They start wondering. And then yesterday, somebody finds out that he's been suspended, taken off the air for this open, for pointing out that the Orioles used to suck in Tampa Bay, but they don't suck there anymore. Had he said it the way I just said it, maybe he gets a talking to from somebody. But he said it in a regular way, reading words that were on the screen, maybe directly provided by the team. And then the guy that owns the team, or at least runs the team now, John Angelos, apparently gets all worked up about this, and Kevin Brown is suspended. And that kick started yesterday I don't know, 12, 16 hours of everybody destroying the Orioles. Guys who host radio shows, women who host radio shows like this during the day went after them. Into the evening, they went after them. Podcasts, tweets, other posts went after them. And then basically every TV broadcaster as well took turns bashing the Orioles during their games last night. You've already heard it, but here it is again. In New York on SNY during Mets-Cubs, we got this from Gary Cohen. Let me just say one thing to Baltimore Orioles management. You draped yourself in humiliation when you fired John Miller, and you're doing it again. And if you don't want Kevin Brown, there are 29 other teams who do. It's a horrendous decision by the Orioles. I don't know what they were thinking, but they've gotten exactly the reaction that they deserve. And it's just a shame because the Orioles are playing so well, and now they've diverted attention from that. And now made themselves a laughing stock. So I play Gary because A, I heard it live. B, it was planned because they cut from a fly ball to center field to Gary with their booth camera. Gary put his pen down, looked at the camera, delivered all of that, draped in humiliation, laughing stock. And Gary, to me, is the best in the business of TV. So he sounded like the Dean TV broadcaster. So where everybody said something last night, I defer to Gary's opinion on all of this. And he is 100% right. This is utterly embarrassing. This is a thing that requires a phone call from MLB headquarters to the Orioles to tell them to stop being doofuses because this is unbelievable. Now, the John Miller, who to me is one of the best radio guys of all time, what Gary's referencing, they don't remember the year, but this was Peter Angelos who fired John Miller as the Orioles' longtime voice because he didn't think that John Miller was a big enough Oriole fan on the air. Now, that's a touchy subject, so to speak, in this business, because depending on where you come from, you have different feelings towards how much of a fan broadcasters should be. Here in New York, where we everyone has done it, the people who came before us, and I use that, I include me and us loosely, but guys who worked in New York who came to talk to me as a student in Fordham, this is what they learned. This is what they told us. If you listen to New York, and I think 
skewing more northeast, people usually play it down the middle, especially the the play-by-play person. It's, you know, 60-70% Mets, 40-30% the other team. There is no we and us and them. There is no real celebrating or stuff like that. Now, other places, it is us versus them. And there's super, super, super excited calls for touchdowns, home runs, whatever, by your team. And then when the other guy hits one, it's like, fly ball to left field, it's deep, it's gone, and the White Sox lead 7-1. to one. So that type of broadcast is up to you. It's different other places. But the Orioles wanting John Miller, who is an old-school, well-kind of classically trained broadcaster, to be more Orioles was a joke back then, and this is just a joke now. And it's not surprising to me that as far as I know, as of now 8-16 Eastern this morning, the Orioles have said nothing about this. There has not been a response. There has not been anybody refuting that this is the story, and I guess we need to leave the door slightly ajar for there being more to this story. But I feel like if there was more to this story, if Kevin Brown had done anything on mic, off mic, that actually warranted this type of punishment, somebody would have whispered it to an Angelos-friendly media person who then would have put it out there. But it's just silence. There's no pushback. There's no fixing. There's no apology. There's just silence from... Guys who already made one cowardly decision. What what Kevin Brown said on the air on July 23rd wasn't wrong in the slightest. Not even a little bit. He was just retelling you history. What things had happened. How things have played out. And in the end, it was good news. The point was the Orioles used to never win here. Now they've won here this year more than they've lost. It's one of the reasons why they have jumped over the Rays to take the lead in the AL East. And that, to me, is what's the most frustrating, saddest part about this, is up until yesterday, the Orioles were just a good story. That's it. Gunnar Henderson, Grayson uh, Rodriguez, all these other, Jackson Holiday looming in the minors, They've overcome the Rays' 13-0 start. They're the best team in the AL East. Maybe they're the best team in the American League. They trade for Jack Flaherty. They have these two huge flame-throwing relievers closing out games for them. Camden's alive again. There's, it's been all good things, all compliments. The plan finally worked. They figured it out. This is no fluke. They're here to stay. I mean, we were telling them to go trade for Otani. Use some of those prospects. Go get that guy. Put him in the middle of your lineup. Put him in your rotation. And now maybe you are the best team in the American League. And all of that's on pause for now because they can't not be who they actually are. A lot of teams have to overcome ownership to be successful. And for a while, the Orioles couldn't do it, and the owners didn't let them do it. Now they've actually spent a little, invested a little, had all those bad teams become good draft picks and now good players, and they're rolling. One of the best stories in the game, and they crashed into the wall of this yesterday, of the Angelos family still being the Angelos family. Being short-sighted, being overly sensitive, being straight dumb. Kevin Brown didn't do anything, let alone something that maybe needed to be addressed. He didn't do anything wrong. Nothing. You know, we're not debating the validity or the length of the suspension. It was too harsh. It was too this. 
he shouldn't have been even given a sideways glance by anybody for saying that. And at least go full-on crazy for the Orioles. He wasn't the only one part of this story. Suspend the graphics person. Suspend whoever in the media office wrote that note and put it in the game notes. Because they're all connected. If if pointing out that the Orioles didn't used to win in Tampa Bay is a crime, then not only Kevin Brown's guilty of it, but to pick him out for nothing and then not even have the goal to say anything, just let us figure out what happened. And then once we figured out what happened yesterday, to still say nothing about it, it's just shameful. Just shameful. And it spoils all of the good stuff that you've built up. It reminds us of who you actually are. And up until this year, there were very few reasons to root for the Angelos clan. The baseball team finally was able to catch up and overcome all of their nonsense. But now the nonsense is back, and we're not talking, at least for now, about Orioles baseball. And oh, by the way, Awful Announcing wrote the first kind of full-length story on this. Somebody else in Baltimore started it. He was the one that found out what had happened. Awful Announcing advanced the story. Then The Athletic picked it up. In the Awful Announcing write-up, it mentions that Kevin Brown, this happened, he was working TV for this Rays series. The next series, I think which was in Philadelphia or against the Phillies, he worked it on radio and then didn't work again. And Awful Announcing writes it as if he was going to be in trouble immediately, but he had to work the Phillies series because somebody else was in trouble over a wardrobe issue. Now, Ryan, you're nodding your head. I don't know if they, you saw more of that. I think they, like the person didn't want to wear Orioles-specific attire okay. to the game. Because when I read that, I was like, okay, that's another thing we need to figure out because... You know, there's one thing to over overreact to what Kevin Kevin Brown did or did not do. But if they're now dictating to what people are wearing, and my first thought was Melanie Newman works for the Orioles, and I didn't know who had worked there or whatever that weekend. But I'm thinking now, are they messing with what what she's wearing as a woman on camera or off camera? Like, So that's like a real thing that needed to be addressed too because that actually could have been something that was, what's the right word? Like, actually wrong that needed to be addressed really by baseball if they're telling people what to wear or not to wear. So if somebody didn't want to wear an Orioles polo on TV, I mean, it's still petty and stupid, and it's another thing to figure out. But at least it's not as bad as I thought it might have been when I read those two sentences yesterday. As long as you look professional, what's the issue with what they're wearing? It's not like they're wearing, like, a T-shirt and shorts to call the game. If they're wearing a suit or looking expensive and fancy polo... yeah. It doesn't have to have the Orioles logo. No, it doesn't. Because they are, those guys, a lot of them, men and women, they, you get paid by the team in those jobs. You do work for the team, but you also have to be a journalist. You can't, you're not just there to be a mouthpiece. You're not another PR agent. You're there to do a job. You're there to be half a journalist. And there are rules, and some people feel very strongly about those rules. And I understand one of them being, listen, I'll put a Masson logo on my shirt. That's who I'm on camera for, but I'm not wearing the Orioles logo on my polo because. While you do give me checks, I need to have some form of, you know, legitimacy and transparency here. I get that argument. It's just, it's just a mess. And of course, they're not alone. The White Sox doing their own dumb things. That's next. The A Show, CBS Sports Radio. I'm so bad with mail anymore. I used to be great with mail. Da on CBS Sports Radio. You know, Pete, you played that the other day. One of the days last week when Da was here. 
And it sent me again down the rabbit hole of what Jody could have meant by that when he said it. I used to be so good at mail. Like, we've had a lot of fun with it, but, like, at its core, he was good at sending letters. He was good at keeping up correspondence. He had a lot of pen pals. I don't know what he, what he meant by, I used to be really good at mail. I just see him sitting at a, at a desk writing a whole bunch of letters. Like, he went through it quickly? I don't, I don't like, mine piles up, and then I things are late, and I miss whatever. Like, so he was good about going through his mail every single day sorting and saying current. Mail. Sorting his mail. Just walking to the mailbox, maybe. Just to get it? Just to get it. Remembering it was yeah. there? Well, what a gentleman. What a man. You know what? That's another Jody time warp. The Pony Express. Jody having to wait like six weeks at a time for mail to show up when the one mail train rolled through town. Do you show Mr. Mandaloria? Was there mail when he was around? Carrier pigeon. You just shouted. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh! <laughs> hey, it's me, Jody! 855. It's a flower bell. <laughs> uh, it is 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio at Andrew Bogish on Twitter. Keep your trashes coming. Uh, we have uh, interesting development here as, again, Pete open the can of worms about the length of movies, that a three-hour movie's too long. Now, the immediate pushback was, hey, dude that watches three-hour pay-per-views, maybe don't call out long movies. But It's different. It's wait, different. Wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Maybe it is different. This is the real conundrum. This is the real contradiction. This is the real problem. As John and PA tweets, I mean, we listen to this show for four hours a day. It's different. Is it, though? Yes, it is. Four hours a day as opposed to a three-hour commitment to swatch Oppenheimer? We're not doing the same topic. No, they're kind of the same. You We're know, doing, bathroom, weird food, crazy animals, sports. Different things. All right. I, and you can make a case with, uh, everyone wants to talk about um, wrestling. There's different things happening on the screen. There's different matches happening. There's different events happening. With movies, it's the same storyline. It's very different. Right. It's, I mean, it's the the movie storyline. Correct. But at least Oppenheimer goes, here, here's, give me three hours and I'm done with you. We ask you to keep coming back. Four hours times five days times 52 weeks. Please come back. It's a big commitment. Ooh, Timbo Slice. I'm trashing Pete the Body. What about the movie, The Wrestler? It's a two-hour movie about wrestling. Yeah, it was a little long. It was a good movie, though. It was a good movie, but a little long. A very uh, good movie. I think you'll lose people's attention span after a little while, unless you're changing up the content of what's on the screen. Kyle, our good friend Kyle, good morning, Mothership crew. I've got to trash this single cab work truck they got me driving. How am I supposed to sleep when I can't put the seat back at all? Super tired. Need more Zs. Get it out. Somebody Overflowing gets landfill. Cold water? It's piping. That's a lot. And we know Kyle needs to rest. Rest on the job. Well, if he works for the White Sox, he can sleep whenever he wants, apparently. That's one of the problems they may or may not have in Chicago. Proper betting. Since Jose Ramirez knocked out Tim Anderson Saturday night, the floodgates have opened about how bad things are in Chicago. Keenan Middleton, who got traded from the White Sox to the Yankees, fueled that fire by saying he couldn't wait to get out of there and get to the Yankees 
happily shaving his face because the Yankees have rules. But apparently the White Sox do not. It was Middleton who talked about people sleeping in the bullpen, about skipping pitcher uh, fielding practice and other nonsense. And then a report uh, out of Chicago yesterday said that Anderson had gotten slapped in the face during the year by Osmani Grandal, their catcher. The story was the day before the All-Star break, Grandal was not in the lineup and said that he wanted to leave a day early since he wasn't going to play to begin his All-Star break sooner. Anderson heard that, said, good, if he doesn't want to be here, I'll pay for his ticket, which led Grandal to slap Anderson in the face so that's another thing the White Sox had to address yesterday. And here's Grandal's version of the story. This is unreal. Um, especially the fact that they said it was a, a day before the All-Star break. i uh, tell you one thing. The one thing I was thinking about that day, especially after that game, was let's go to this lake house I have rented with my family because I haven't spent enough time with them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's... I know people are need to do their jobs and they're trying to put a story out, but I mean, uh, and it's it's crazy to to what extent people can can go to to just put something out there. I mean, I feel like like you're almost fishing for for, for something. Does that mean it happened or didn't happen, or you're just not saying? Definitely not. Okay, so I'm glad that follow-up question was asked. I watched this video way too many times last night trying to understand the beginning part of it because Yasmani Grandal seems to me to confirm the idea that he wanted to go on vacation at the All-Star break. I watched it. I listened to it. I studied his face to see if he was being sarcastic, and he's not. The story is he wanted to get away a day early because he wasn't playing the last game before the All-Star break. He wanted to go on vacation with his family. And that clip begins with him going, yeah, I remember that day. I wanted to go be with my family because I hadn't been with them for so I haven't been spending so much time with them during the season. I did not understand what he was doing there. So the follow-up had to be asked, um, so does it mean that it happened or not? And then he says that it didn't happen. Whether it happened or not, who knows? It seems like a very inter- a, you know, very precise story and one that, fits the narrative of what's going on with this organization. And it goes back to the initial, and even further than this, but you know, the, this to me, this was all connected to two-plus years ago, deciding to hire Tony La Russa out of retirement at however old he was, 70, 80, to manage this team with Tony completely disconnected from modern ball players. Things he had said working in TV, working in the Arizona front office, like, he just didn't get it anymore. And I know there's Tony La Russa, and things were great when he was younger. St. Louis, Oakland, I get all that. Hall of Famer. But the White Sox tried to fix a mistake they had made decades before when he wasn't their manager by making him their manager in 2021 when he the game had passed him by. That didn't work. He kept getting in DUI trouble. So finally he had to go. Pedro Grafal comes in, and baseball kind of loves that. A lifer. Baseball needs more Spanish-speaking, you know, non-old white guy managers. Makes a ton of sense, but apparently it has not fixed anything because they just suck more and more on the field. Another disappointment, even more so this year. And now all of these stories about basically mayhem in their clubhouse, guys do whatever they want, 
And we, you know, Schwartz already played the remarkable comment from Rick Hahn, who's their GM underneath um, management, having to tell us why people were actually sleeping in the clubhouse. But they also have talked about their chemistry issue. So maybe some specifics are off, but the White Sox have acknowledged that this is not the best group of 25, 26, 30 guys, that they're not all pulling in the right direction. They're not all being professional, and that's part of why they're 40-something and 60-something at this point in the season. They're a joke, and it all goes back to the top. It's amazing. And I, you know, fixing yourself is hard, but across all sports, more so than not, when you have good Solid ownership that doesn't meddle, doesn't say stupid things, hires smart people, stays out of their way. Those are the teams that have sustained success. You may be in a you know one-year cycle, able to overcome things, stumble onto a right mix of people, whatever, and win in spite of ownership. But good owners mean good teams and good organizations and long-term success. Bad owners mean up and down, inconsistency, disappointment, and here we got the White Sox, who are terrible in the standings, and one of the reasons why, apparently, is because there's nobody running that ship. It's a free-for-all, it's a mess, and it shouldn't be surprising that that's one of the teams that's guilty of something like that. Uh, on the flip side of all of that is Mike Vrabel making a very uh, kind gesture to one of his staff members. We will do that in just a second. First things first, headlines. Here's Peter Schwartz again. All right. Bogues will begin at Fenway. The Royals and the Red Sox were tied at two as they played the bottom of the ninth. Here's the pitch. Swing and a drive to left field, high and deep toward the pole. It is a home run. It hit the pole. The Red Sox walk it off and a grand slam by Pablo Reyes. Can you believe it? His first home run as a member of the Red Sox. That was Joe Castiglione on Red Sox radio, and the Red Sox beat the Royals 6-2. to now to Cincinnati, where the Reds needed a true American hero to help them end their losing ways. Here's Joey Votto. Perez brings it home. The pitch to Votto. Oh, and he hammers my. one. High and very deep and very gone. Joey Votto goes back to back with Christian Encarnacion Strand. It is four to one Reds. And that was the call on Reds radio. The Reds and their six game skid beating the Marlins five to two. So a game and a half out. You can almost hear the national anthem just start to play organically yeah. underneath the Vado Homer as he oh, once he Canada comes to the rescue of yeah. America and Canada. Don't they forget. should make one of those was it the Budweiser commercials, Great American Hero? Yes. Remember back in the day? Yes. Yeah. Real should. American Hero? Something like Real. that. Yeah. There was they, there was one version of it and I think they changed it after nine eleven. Okay. Because they didn't want to refer they to They were that old, yeah. those commercials? Yeah. Wow. So Joey Votto, real American. Great hero. American, great yeah. Canadian, defies borders, political agendas, just hits home runs yeah. in America's heartland. Run for office. I mean, really. In just, either country. Or just, maybe jointly. Just a hero. He should, you know what? He should just retire now. And 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 just <laughs> there should be a red carpet for him to go right in the Hall of Fame. Will the Schwartz just for his character? Will the Schwartz family go to Joey Votto's induction to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? The Pro Football Hall of That's Fame. That's how good he is, Schwartz. Oh, he doesn't even play, if, but he's like a builder, you know, contributor. I w- I'm thinking we were we were talking on the on the drive home that the next time we would go is my my son is hoping that Chad Nick, Pennington, Nick Mangold. Okay, we think Nick Mangold's got the shot to be the next Jet to go in. But if Joey Votto goes, we'd have to rethink that. Maybe we'd go back for him. Is Mangold really a Hall of Fame player? You know, Brad, my son Bradley insists okay. that he is. I'd have to really go look at it. 
I think he's in the discussion. I don't. Uh, certainly not a first ballot Hall of Fame. Certainly right? not over Joey Votto. Well, you know, <laughs> get Votto separate, in first. I think as part of the whole expansion of the Pro Football Hall of Fame with the Village, I think there will be a building named after him. I think there's room for a building, and they'll name it after Joey Votto. The Votto Village, on, where he picks on fans. Yeah, great, great building. <laughs> where he picks on fans. <laughs> there's a Ferris wheel there now. They can name it after Joey Votto. Have some fun. The loser wheel. <laughs> Options are limitless, <laughs> and he deserves all of them. Let's uh, let's move along. To Mo- let's move along to Motown, and the Twins were looking to sing a winning tune. And the pitch, a swing at a fly ball into right field. Drifting back is Carpenter on the track at the wall. Jumps up, and that is gone. A home run. Wow. Carlos Correa got that ball out into right field over a leaping Carpenter. Another three-run homer. And that was the call on Twins Radio. Twins won their fifth in a row, beat the Tigers 9-3. to Carlos Correa, inspired by Joey Votto, drove in four runs, including that three-run homer. Ryan Jeffers also with a three-run shot. Now to Cleveland, the Blue Jays took a one-run lead over the Guardians to the ninth inning, and they were looking for some insurance. 1-0. Hook towards the left side and pass the dive of Rocchio into left field. A base hit for Springer. Belt comes in to score, and it's 3-1 Toronto. That was the call on Blue Jays radio. Jays beat the Guardians 3-1. Other games yesterday, Rangers over the A's 5-3. That's seven straight wins for Texas. The Giants hand the Angels their seventh straight loss, beat the Halos 8-3. You had the White Sox over the Yankees 5-1. Another rejection for Yankee manager Aaron Boone. Mets beat up on the Cubs 11-2. Pete Alonzo had two homers and six RBI. He had the Pirates beating the Braves 7-6. Football, Lions will reportedly sign free agent quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Deal expected to be finalized this week. Hard knocks with the Jets. This begins tonight on HBO. Basketball, warm-up for the FIBA World Cup. USA v. Puerto Rico, 117-74 in Vegas. Jalen Brunson led the way with 11 points and 12 rebounds. There you go. And now my mic's on. Uh, Schwartz, thank you very much. Stunned to a news is next hour, by the way. For those of you planning at home, you didn't miss it. It's still coming up before we are done. Next up, though, it is Mike Vrabel doing a really nice thing for a member of his staff. An important thing as well as football uh, fights for more diversity in the coaching ranks. That's next. DA Show, CBS Sports Radio. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Where death by salsa is the least of your concerns. The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Closing out hour number three on this Tuesday morning. A trash Tuesday, as always. Andrew Bogish in for DA. Don't forget that you can hear and watch Damon this afternoon. Later today, depending on where you are. Noon to three Eastern, the Jim Rome Show. Here on CBS Sports Radio and on CBS Sports Network. Just walked out of our studio during our commercial break and almost ran into literally... Former Mets third baseman David Wright just walking by himself through our newsroom, dressed very nicely. Now, the last people to walk somewhat confusedly looking around while dressed nicely were interviewing for Sean's job. (laughs) Do we have celebrity contestants? Could. You wouldn't tell us if we did, right? All confidential. Try all sealed. So unless I hear David Wright's voice on a local sports station that we can't mention at some point today, I'm going to assume that David Wright is here to interview for Sean's job. That's correct. Now, on a number of fronts, that would be the kind of person to hire. You think? More handsome, more accomplished, actually athletically gifted, unlike Sean, I could have been a Hockey Hall of Famer comment, or look at my flag football trophy. From Suffolk County, Long Island. Has true contacts. He had right. He could book guests. Um, what else is good? He's a Met, not a Yankee. Right. You and I never cried over the end of David Wright's career. No. He's not Ryan Callahan. He's not Derek Jeter. He's a lot of opposites. And I've said that from the beginning. We should go far, not in a disrespectful way, but we should flip it up. Like you should. We don't need a nut exact carbon copy of Sean. We should go. You know, like a, a flip the script a little bit. I agree. David Wright's a pretty close to a complete 180 from Shawnee Boy. <laughs> it's more like a 360. No, see, there's the problem. Oh, no, it goes back that to Sean. That takes you back to Sean. That takes you back to Sean. Right, right. Yeah. So he's uh, he's a 180. Yeah. That's where you <laughs> want to be because that's exactly, that's the farthest you can be from Sean. 90 or 270, Sean's within reach. His girth is still a problem. But you get to that 180, different ends of the spectrum, Different people. Well, 270, that's a, maybe a that's weight his, thing. Yeah, there's also that. All right, I want to get to the story because it's important. And it's a slightly more serious than David Wright interviewing for Sean's job. Uh, Well-documented, can't believe it's still a thing, but it is, unfortunately, that the NFL lacks black and minority head coaches and minority coaches on all levels of coaching staffs. And they have tried and... To fix this problem, there are rules in place. They've had to tweak the rules because they weren't being followed or weren't impactful enough. So it's a problem that needs to be solved, hasn't been solved. It takes a lot of different ways to get it solved. And here's one of them presented by Mike Vrabel, who continues to exhibit just exemplary decisions, seems to be a great man, certainly is a good head coach. Mike Vrabel is letting his longtime assistant, Terrell Williams, coach the team this weekend against the Bears in their preseason opener. Preseason game, first of three, doesn't matter, quote-unquote. I hear all of those things. But the best way 
to have minority head coaches is to keep putting minority candidates in positions right underneath that level as coordinators getting head coaching experience, which is not obviously easy to do, but here's a way to do it. Terrell Williams will get a chance to run an NFL game. He takes over acting head coaching dues at the end of the week to finish prep and then into the game on Saturday. And it's exactly for this reason. It's temporary. It's Mike Vrabel going, I can step aside, let this happen. He needs experience. This is a thing that needs to happen so that he can become a head coach somewhere. This is an absolutely fantastic move by Mike Vrabel and the Titans. It's fantastic. I wish it wasn't necessary. I wish this wasn't a problem. I wish that things were balanced correctly and the population of players was correctly represented in the population of coaches. Hopefully one day soon we get there and the Rooney rule is not needed and Mike Vrabel making, you know, selfless decisions like this are not needed. It just, everything, everything is the way it's supposed to be. I hope we get there, but we're not there yet. And shy of Rooney rules and whatnot, we need this. We need promotions. We need open minds. We need experience. We need giving guys a shot. And like, for example, and maybe this is more on me than anybody else, but I I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything about Terrell Williams until yesterday. And then Mike Vrabel does this, and now we know about him, we know about his career, we know about hopefully his trajectory, and we know about what kind of organization that Mike Vrabel is running, that this was even in his mind to do, and now they're doing it, letting Terrell Williams, a black man, coach the team during their first preseason game on Saturday, which hopefully helps him move forward in the coaching ranks and become a head coach somewhere down the road. So kudos to Mike Vrabel. I hope this ends up working out down the road for Terrell Williams, and I hope other teams take advantage of this and follow suit, whether it's during OTAs, mini camps, training camp, preseason games, giving people the chance to do more, to learn more, to get their name out there, to show off what they can do. That's the way that we fix problems like this. Hour number four, our final hour is on the way. It's going to begin in the NBA. Uh, Not sure you even knew that this was a thing, but there's a Team USA men's basketball tournament coming up here shortly, and there's a little bit of controversy about who is not on the roster. We'll do that, and we continue on Trash Tuesday. Keep them coming at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogush, and at 855-212-4CBS. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.